As we mentioned last week, separation becomes more prominent throughout the NFL in the month of October. And the first weekend of the month did not disappoint. Rarely achieved records were set and crucial battles for important positioning took place throughout the league as numerous teams planted their flags as the big dogs to be feared and respected the remainder of this NFL season. Storylines drive most everything in life. Tom Brady returning to play against the team that he led, guided by Bill Belichick, on the way to both of them being considered the GOATs in their respective positions is an incredible story. But I don't believe at all that it was as important as most of the media wanted their audiences to believe. Most channels that focus on sports were locked into what seemed to be an intense DEFCON prisoner of the moment mode all week when discussing this matchup. Most shows I viewed led every top of segment when discussing this particular game as the biggest regular season game in NFL history. And although the storylines attached to this game definitely upped the level of interest for this game, much more than that of a week four regular season game should, I think there was a bit too much hyperbole injected when describing this game as the biggest regular season game in NFL history. So a bit about the biggest regular season game in NFL history because it was a pretty decent game. The Tampa Bay Bucks have the go to quarterback, three all pro level wide receivers on their roster, and they have a very strong backfield tandem with Fournette and Jones, and they were barely able to eke out a win. And that was as a direct result of a narrowly missed last second field goal. Bill Belichick as is generally expected, did a great job in scheming his far less talented team and being very competitive against the Tampa Bay's against Tampa Bay's very superior laden team. I definitely expect that portion of the story to be underreported. The most glaring thing to me in this game was that the style of quarterback that we've all grown accustomed to seeing leading the New England Patriots the past couple of decades under Belichick seems to be in great hands with Mac Jones. Mac Jones did a great job, especially when considering that the Patriots rarely ran the ball and that the Bucks' defensive front put an, enor- put an enormous amount of pressure on Jones all night. Jones stayed, he stayed in the pocket, executing enough to the point where head-to-head at a high level, he did really well against the GOAT on the opposing team. Mac Jones set an NFL record for most consecutive completions by a rookie quarterback the past 30 seasons by completing 19 consecutive passes. Things are definitely looking up for Belichick and the Patriots with this young quarterback. There was a great t-shirt shown, I believe in the stands, worn by a Patriots fan that read, Elderly Florida Man Wins the Super Bowl. It had a picture of Tom Brady standing there, smiling with his head tilted and palms up, shrugging his shoulders, similar to the pose that Mad Magazine's Alfred E. Newman mascot would often pose in saying, What, me worry? I'm sure... Brady has seen the t-shirt. I think it's actually pretty funny and I actually like the fact that Tom Brady at the age of 44 continues to compete at such a high level in arguably the most challenging position in all of sports. I think what he's doing with this level of play at this age along with what others playing at a high level of uh, for long lengths in their respective leagues such as LeBron James can go a long way in continuing to elevate the the level of play in all sports. I like the fact that Brady and the Bucks or the Patriots or any of them decided to completely downplay the fact that early in the game Tom Brady became the NFL's all-time leading passer leapfrogging New Orleans Saints legend Drew Brees. Brady hit a hit that mark I think in the first quarter with five minutes left when he hit Mike Evans for a pass. 
There was no stoppage in play. Just a quick graphic on the video board recognizing Brady's accomplishment. Now that's an accomplishment that was worth all the weeks of hype that led up to this game. But instead, this particular accomplishment was handled with almost no fanfare, just a bit more thought and measure. Now that's how it's done. Going into their game against the Los Angeles Rams, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals had played lights out ball in the first three weeks of the season. Yet they weren't even close to receiving the amount of hype that Matt Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams had received so far this season. I guess the fact that Kyler Murray was 0-4 against the Rams in his career also contributed to that thought. And as well as the fact that the Cardinals entering this game against the Rams had eight consecutive losses against the Rams. But instead of being ruled by those negative stats, Murray and the Cardinals seemed to use that as a motivator in absolutely dominating the Rams. Murray was 24 for 33, 307 yards and two, two touchdowns. He currently leads the league in passing yards and completion percentages, big stats. Murray has to be in the conversation for the league MVP so far this season after putting arguably the league's best defense to shame on Sunday, Le- leveraging with ease all the weapons at his disposal. That's why the Cardinals lead the league in scoring, averaging 35 points per game. The Cardinals are on fire on all cylinders on both sides of the ball as they now sit alone atop the strongest division in all of football, the NFC West. In the Kansas City Chiefs against the Philadelphia Eagles game, I'm sure the elite level athletes on both on the defenses for both teams are doing their best, but there just seemed to be too much firepower flying about in this game on the offensive side of the ball for both teams. There was an intensity from the opening kickoff by the Chiefs that seemed to be lacking in their prior games. But before we go into the quarterback matchup, Tyreek Hill showed why he's the most feared wide receiver threat in the league. He caught 11 passes for 186 yards and three touchdowns and a couple of flips in the end zone afterwards. That was without uh, Kelsey uh, having a big game as well. But actually, Kelsey was actually used as a decoy a few times in the game, which actually helped the Chiefs' efforts. So that was smart by the Chiefs to do so. Um, Kelsey had four catches, I think, for about 20 plus yards or so. He was even used, like I said before, as a decoy a few times. But the secondary of the Philadelphia Eagles was in complete disarray as a result. They couldn't do anything with Tariq Hill. The Chiefs offense showed why they have been considered the most feared offense in football leading up to this season. And they even left a lot in the tank in this game. The Kansas City Chiefs didn't even punt the ball once in this game. In their possessions, the Chiefs, in this order, uh, this is how they prove their dominance. Touchdown, 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 interception, touchdown, touchdown. And that was all she wrote. Pat Mahomes showed why he's always a front runner for the MVP by throwing 24 for 30, 270 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception, as I said before. On the other side of the field, I, I, I don't want to leave Jalen Hurts out of this conversation because he did a great job for the Eagles. He was uh, 32 for 48, 387 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Unfortunately for the Eagles, there didn't seem to be too much they can do as far as the running game to support Hurts. The Eagles at this juncture are still a work in progress. But as far as the Kansas City Chiefs, if the Super Bowl were to take place today, even with the slow start, it would be a phenomenal game if the Kansas City Chiefs 
the current Kansas City Chiefs played against the Arizona Cardinals at this time. I'd pay a lot of money to watch that game. After starting the season with a beating by the New Orleans Saints, Aaron Rodgers has successfully guided the Packers to three straight wins, even without their two best offensive linemen that are out on IR. Rodgers was 26 of 30 for 248 yards, and I think he had one or he he had he threw for one touchdown and he ran for a touchdown, which you don't see from from the 38-year-old Rodgers that often, but. As great as it was to watch him in performance magic on the field, uh, for me, it's just as entertaining when you place a microphone in front of Roger's mouth, whether it's on the field immediately following a game or after he's showered and had time to contemplate things before the post-game conference. This guy is he's, hes interesting to watch. It's hard to tell if his musings are more Yoda or Mr. Miyagi. And I'm quoting Rogers here. How could you not be romantic about football? Rogers said this with a with a zen-like face when Michelle Tafoya from NBC attempted to discuss the Packers' uh, win, last field goal win, just seconds before on their Sunday night of the week, uh, Sunday night game of the week during week three, and in the post, and basically this past Sunday. And if anybody had a chance to see more of his post-game interviews, Rodgers gave an interesting one when the Packers dominated the Pittsburgh Steelers this past Sunday on October 3rd. If you check that out, it's an interesting glimpse into the mind of a guy that not only remembers the intricate details of plays from seasons ago, but how those details inform what he does each moment in current games and how he leverages it all, oftentimes in toying with his opposition. It was great to see Mike Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers give each other a knowing nod right in the middle of crunch time at the end of their game this past Sunday. Social media went a little crazy over it as it doesn't happen that often. It doesn't happen that often, but it was a willing tip of the hat gesture as a result as a result of game recognizing game. I really enjoyed that moment as part of the separation that typically begins to take place in October. The dominant divisions in the NFL this season, the NFC West and the AFC West had their first divisional clashes. The Cardinals dominated the Rams on Sunday, as we mentioned before, showcasing that they're definitely the current, the, the class of the strongest division in the NFL. The Chargers dominated one of the two remaining undefeated teams in all of the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders seem to be playing from behind in most of their games so far this season. I guess that's why we're seeing a lot of analysts primarily are choosing either the still choosing the Chiefs and or the Chargers as favorites to win the AFC West and not necessarily the Raiders. I think the Raiders and the Broncos though are in a position to spoil a lot of parties this season. It'll be interesting to see the battles within the AFC West AFC West this season. Regardless, quality of play that will take place when teams battle within this division should be comparable to what we will see from the NFC West's division divisional clashes this season. Both divisions are currently a league leading 11-5 after week 4. But in the coming weeks, we will also keep our eye on the AFC North as that is the only other division that seems to be on the rise. The AFC North currently stands with a record of 10-6 after week 4. That's going to be a fun. They, they play a lot of ground and pound football in the AFC North. And um, 
I, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do some interesting things along the way to make sure that they do their best to salvage this season as the Browns and the Ravens are, and, and the Bengals. The Bengals are doing quite well right now as well. But it'll be interesting to see in that division because that'll be a lot of old school ground and pound football.